0: Place. Amen. Amen. Father, we just thank you for your love. We thank you for your spirit that is here, God. Such a sweet presence in this place, God. And I thank you, God, that, that you're already speaking, that you're already working, that you're already shifting things, God. And we look forward with expectation of what's going to be coming in the next few weeks. God, I, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that we would be a people that are set on fire. <laughs> Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, someone say amen. Amen, amen. Well, I don't want to, to move from the, the, the spirit of God in this place and, and how he's ministering here. And I believe that the, the word he has for us is, is just right on time. I don't know if you've ever been in that, that situation in your life when someone said something and it just hit just right on time, right on the money, and it was so life-giving to you. Well, I I pray and I believe that this uh, word this morning is that to each and every single one of us. Amen? Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, if you would, please turn with me to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. And we also have this up uh, on the YouVersion Bible app. So if you're running the Bible app on your phone, you can pull up uh, the Bible app. And then on the bottom right hand of your screen, there's going to be a button that says more And then there will be another button that says events, and you can click on that. It'll find you, and it'll bring up. We've got sermon notes. We've got all the scripture references we'll be using this morning, uh, as well as a place where you can take notes so you can go back later and uh, refresh yourself again this week in the Word of God. Cool. So, Acts chapter 16. I want to read just a portion of the scripture here, and then we're going to jump into this. Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 4. It says, Then they went from town to town instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened. Look at someone who's sitting beside and say, strengthened. So the churches were strengthened in their faith, and they grew. Look at someone say, they're growing. They're growing larger every day. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of, and you have to English is my only language, and so these are Greek words right here, so I'm just going to stumble over them. Be patient with me, please. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them. Some will say prevented. They pre- he had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the border of Musia, and I did look up that word. That is how it's pronounced. They headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Messiah to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in North Greece was standing there pleading with him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. We boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across to the island of Samothrace, And the next day we landed at Neapolis. From there, we reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia, and a Roman colony. And we stayed there for several days. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank, where we thought people would be meeting for prayer and we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloths. She worshiped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized, and she asked us to be her guests, saying, if you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, come and stay at my home. As a a little bit of a coercion it sounds like <laughs> and she urged us until we agreed amen you might be saying okay that that was a lot of cities a lot of places but the message I want to uh, speak uh, here in this place this morning is being led by the Spirit and the title of the message today is when you end up in Troas when you end up in Troas because I don't know about your walk with God but this story that we just read resonates with my walk with God so much. I feel like Paul, and, and I, I've got a little, uh, we're going to put a map on the screen back there for you. And I want to, uh, to kind of help illustrate what all is happening uh, in, in this right here uh, to give us a little bit more insight into to what Paul's thinking and what he's feeling. So Paul and Silas, they're, they're missionary friends, uh, they're, they're brothers in Christ, they're traveling around, they're, they're strengthening the churches, the churches are growing, there's success there, and so they're traveling from place to place. Well, Paul has this idea, he said, you know, I wanna go to Asia, I wanna go to South, and that we're not talking about the, uh, the Far East Asia, uh, this is Asia Minor, which would be considered Turkey today, and so it's, it's kind of the, the southern, so southwestern part of, of Turkey as we know it today. And Paul's thinking, I want to go there, and I want to preach the gospel. And I love what we just read. It said that the Holy Spirit prevented them from going there. And I remember as a young believer, whenever I read this, I thought, wow, God is just really trying to be difficult. (laughs) Like, I mean, he he tells us in Matthew chapter 28, going to all the world. You know, preach the gospel, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's what we call the Great Commission today. It's, it's a command. Jesus has given us a command in that time. But then Paul and Silas, they're like, hey, let, let's go into Asia, into Asia over there and let's preach the gospel. And the Holy Spirit said, ah! wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait. See, church, we need to be led by the Spirit. My point number one is good doesn't always equal God. Good doesn't always equal God. Because Now, God always equals good, but a lot of times in our lives as Christians, as, as followers of Christ, that's what Christian mean a follower of Christ or a little Jesus. As a follower of Christ, our lives should be following the leading of the Holy Spirit. We should be following step in step with him. We should be, everything he does, everywhere he goes, everything he says, this should be the stuff that we're mimicking, stuff that we're doing. And I like this illustration, and I'm so, so thankful that that God chose to put this in the word for us to read. Because good does not always equal God. Because as a follower of Christ, we can think there's a good opportunity somewhere, but that doesn't necessarily mean that God's in that opportunity. And I've fallen victim to that before. In my life, I think, you know, this, this will be great for us. This will be a, a good advancement. You know, this will be good for our family. You know, this is a good place to live. Or this is a good place to work. Or, or if I take this opportunity, it will help us in this area. And I want to remind you, church, today, because I know we're all facing decisions. We're all going through things. I want to encourage you today. Don't always uh, assume that a good thing is a God thing. We as Christians, we should be mature in our beliefs. We should be mature in the way that we read and study and know the Word. We should be mature in the way that we follow the Spirit. Because even though it might be a good thing, it doesn't mean that's always what God has desired for us, at least not for that moment. And so Paul, he, he's coming around. The, the Bible says that they, they went over here uh, to Derby, right around there. And then they went on to Lystra, right over there. And it says then they, they wanted to, Paul wanted to go into Asia. And Bible scholars believe that he wanted to go over here to Ephesus, somewhere right around there, and preach the word. And we see later on, we've got the book of Ephesians that we read from. It's a letter to the church in Ephesus. So this is before Paul helped build and establish that church in Ephesus right there. So he's going from Derby, he's going to Lystra, and and he's preaching the word, and he's doing all this. And he's like, oh, let's go to Ephesus. And the Holy Spirit says, ah! And he'll stop. Whoa, just a second. I can imagine being Paul in that moment being thinking, what? What did you just say? Like, Jesus, I don't know if you heard me, but I'm wanting to go there to tell them about you. And the Holy Spirit's like, nope. How many of you in here are married? Have you ever had that that moment with your spouse where, you know, you've got this good idea and your spouse is like, nope. Uh Uh-uh. And to you, it's just like this dinger of an idea, like, this is going to win. And your spouse is like, Uh-uh-uh. and you're just like, what, why? Like, what's your reasoning behind? It? No, just no, just no. Let me, can I give you a little bit of, of advice, maybe? Uh, and I'm, I'm, I know I'm not the best person to give advice, but if that ever happens, it's probably a good idea just to take a back seat and say, okay because the Holy Spirit might be moving in them in a way that you don't realize it and you think it's a dinger of an idea that you're just gonna go and win this thing and and you're headstrong. I I can be very headstrong. My wife will be the first to tell you that I'm a very headstrong person. And whenever I get an idea, I wanna go for it. A lot of times she's the one that'll pump the brakes and say, wait a second, wait a second. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us because even though it might be a good thing, that doesn't always mean that it's a God thing. And so I want you to notice what Paul does, they, they, they can't go to Ephesus there. So he decides he wants to go north into Bithynia. And the Holy Spirit says, no, nope, not there either. No, nope, uh-uh. And I let, the, let me tell you, church, I'll give you a little bit of a story to illustrate, and I don't want to belabor the point. But whenever I felt God calling me into ministry, I thought that I would be in worship playing the piano, singing. It. Well, I'm not a good singer, but playing the piano, you know, organizing and leading worship in some way because that was my heart's desire. That's the way that I was serving here at Calvary at that point in time. And whenever God called me into ministry, I thought that that's what he wanted me to do. And I was excited about it because it was something I was passionate about, something that I loved. And so I go to a Bible school and I, I felt him leading me to this particular Bible school, Christ for the Nations of Dallas. And so I get there and I, I start taking classes that have to do with worship and, and, Uh, leading worship and all the technical arts and all that kind of thing and uh, so I'm doing that and I get one semester in and I just I'm not feeling it like this is my passion God and I could just feel the Holy Spirit saying no and I'm like okay all right then what what do you want me to do listen God how about this you tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it that's that's a pretty fair thing right and it, it was like for for two years there he never told me what he wanted me to do. He just told me what he didn't want me to do. And I, I guess I get this big head that, you know, maybe I think I know a little bit better than he does sometimes. And I'm like, really, God, really, if you just tell me anything, I will do it. But he just kept closing doors in my life, closing doors here, closing doors there. And I would start to do things that I, that I think are good and that I, I think he would be pleased with, it, and doors are closing all around me. I, I can imagine this is how Paul feels at that moment. The Bible tells us that there are ways that seem right to man, but in the end, they can lead to death. And even when things are good, it doesn't always mean that they're God. And so whenever we follow the Holy Spirit, we need to learn to follow him as he leads, not as we think. Because here's the thing, and I wanted to say this, I believe uh, God wanted me to say this, that money is a really great motivator, but it's a terrible leader. And a lot of times we can follow money. It will motivate us to take that job or to move to that city or to do this thing. But listen, money is a great motivator, but it is a terrible leader. And so what happens is Christians, they get involved with thinking that, oh, I can, I can make this money and I can support the ministry. And sometimes the Holy Spirit wants you to do that. And sometimes he says, no, that might be good, but I want you over here. We need to learn to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Because if you want to live in the promises of God, you have to be willing to give up your preferences. If you want to live in the promise, you have to be willing to give up your preference. Amen, amen. That's exactly what Paul did. He, he tried to go north into Bithynia, tried to go south into Asia. The Holy Spirit wouldn't allow him to. So, that, so the Bible says that they, they went up kind of towards Bithynia, but he wouldn't allow them to, so they just kept going west. And I thought, why are they going west? And they ended up way over here in Troas. And my point number two is leave the past in the past. Leave the, when it comes to following the Holy Spirit, leave your past in the past in the past. Because Paul, he, he wasn't allowed to go down here to Asia. He wasn't allowed to go up here to Bithynia. He had already been over here in the east and the church was growing there. It was thriving. It, everything was going good. They, they planted, they have been speaking to the leaders. The, the first part of this text that we read said that, they, that the churches were growing, they were thriving, there was success there. And I know that me, whenever I see success, I wanna go after it, right? If the church is succeeding in one area, I, I want to go after it. I want to hit that area hard. I want to make sure that, I mean, my focus is there. And, and, and But here's the thing. A lot of us, when it comes to following the Holy Spirit, we'll tend to hold on to our past. We'll let past situations dictate what we decide in the future whenever it comes to following the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we'll look at some of the bad areas of our life, and we don't want to repeat those areas, so we'll be cautious not to not to have those kind of experiences again. So whenever the Holy Spirit starts to lead, we're looking, we're like, "Uh uh-oh, I don't know, because the last time I did that, this happened in my past. And so we're cautious of following the Holy Spirit into the unknown. But also, a lot of times, we look at our past and the past successes, and we want to repeat those successes. And I'm, I'm talking kind of more about the church Right now, we'll see a move of God in the past that was strong, where God did incredible things. He did mighty things. He moved in powerful ways. And we'll want to try to duplicate that move of God. And God is saying, hang on, hang on. I want to do something new. I want to do something fresh. Don't just go back to your past and the things that I did in the past. I want you to move forward. I love this verse. It's in Psalms chapter 43, starting in verse 14. God is talking to the Israelites after he led them out of Egypt into the promised land. He's saying this, for your sakes, I will send an army against Babylon, forcing the Babylonians to flee in those ships they are so proud of. I am the Lord, your holy one, Israel's creator and king. I am the Lord who opened the way through the waters. He's talking about the the Red Sea whenever he led them out of Egypt. I made a dry path through the sea. I called forth a mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses, and I drew them beneath the waves, and they drowned, their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. In other words, this is what God is saying. Do you remember? Do you remember? Now I know some of you might not have been alive then, but do you remember what your parents said about whenever they left Egypt and they 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 ran into the, the sea there and they didn't know where to go? I opened it up for them. I let them cross on dry land, and once they got to the other side, I led the enemy army into the sea and drowned them. And I can imagine you look back on, on that kind of past, you're like, wow. Like God, you must really love me. Your heart must really be for me. You, And I love, I love so much what God says right after that. Verse 18, he said, but forget all that. Do you remember what I did? It was great, but forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. For I am about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. The wild animals in the fields, they'll thank me. The jackals and owls too for giving them water in the desert. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. Come on, church. I love this because he's saying, hey, what I did then, it was awesome. But forget about it because what I want to do is going to make that seem like nothing in comparison. We serve a good God church, and whenever we follow the Holy Spirit, we have to remember to leave our past in the past, the good and the bad, and move forward following the Holy Spirit. Someone say amen. Paul, he could have turned around whenever God started closing doors. He could have turned around and gone back to Lystra and Derby. He could have gone and tried to, to do something new in the church there, but he didn't he continued to follow the Holy Spirit and led him west. That was the only option left. He couldn't go north, couldn't go south. He had already been east, so his only option now is to go west. And so he starts traveling, starts heading west. And they get all the way to Troas. And I love this because they get there and it's like a dead end. I can just imagine him following the Holy Spirit and they're they're going through cities and and Silas or any of his uh, people with him like, hey Paul, should should we preach here? And Paul's just like, I don't know. I, I don't feel like the Holy Spirit's leading us here. And so they just keep going. And they're passing city after city after city. They're, they're climbing over mountains and crossing through creeks and because they didn't have cars and jets and trains and stuff like we do. I mean, they're literally just walking. And Paul's like, no, I don't know. I, I don't think this is it. And so they get all the way to Troas. And they get there. I can just imagine Paul and Silas. They're like, I don't know what else to do. Like, I I don't know. I don't think we're supposed to preach here. But we've already been east. He won't let us go north. He didn't allow us to go south. And we're as far west as we can go now. I don't know what to do. And I love this. Because Paul was so humble, so willing to leave everything he knew and to follow God into the unknown. He didn't know what was there, but he knew that God was there. And in your life, as you follow the Holy Spirit, there may be times in your life where you're not really sure what to do, or where God might be working, but you know that God is in that place. That's the place to be. That's the place to be. I want to talk more a little bit practical for just a moment. If you're feeling that in your heart, God, I don't know what I'm doing here. I, I, I felt like you were leading me here and now I just, I'm looking around and I'm not seeing your promise. I'm not seeing your hand can I encourage you? Stay there. Stay there. Don't try to go out and do things out of your flesh and make things happen, because God wants to move through you. He wants to move in you. He wants you to follow closely to Him, because success isn't an indicator of being in the will of God. Success is a bad indication that you're in the will of God. Now, success can be a good result of being in the will of God, but it's not an indicator of being in the will of God. Sometimes you may feel like Paul ended up in Troas and just be like, how did I, how did we end up here? Where did we go from here? Like, I don't know what to do. And I want to encourage you, what worked in the past isn't guaranteed to work now. Whenever it comes to a move of God, what worked in it, because here's what I try to, think, think about it with me. If, you, if, you're, if you've been in the church for a while and you've seen a move of God, you think about those times and you try to think, okay, what was I doing at that time? All right, I was waking up at 4.30 and reading my Bible for an hour. I was going uh, up to the church three nights a week because we had prayer meetings. Uh, I was fasting from social media and hot dogs, and you start to think of all the things that you were doing whenever God started moving, and so you start to think, well, maybe if I just wake up at 4.30 and pray again. Maybe if I just start fasting hot dogs and pizza maybe <laughs> and we start to think of you know what we could be doing to to duplicate that move of god in our lives because it's something that we desperately want but i want to remind you what worked in the past isn't guaranteed to work now god may be moving in a completely different way i want to give you an illustration of that from the word of god exodus chapter 17 verse 6 the bible tells us that uh, i'm sorry brother the bible tells us that that uh the people of Israel, they they went to Moses with a complaint. And they were saying, hey, man, we're thirsty. You drug us out of Egypt here. We're in the wilderness. There's no water, Moses. We're going to die of thirst. And so Moses goes to God, and he asks, God, what do I do? I've got 5 million people here complaining that they're thirsty. I can't provide that water. What do I do? This is what God says in Exodus chapter 17, verse 6. The Lord said to Moses, walk out in front of the people, Take your staff, the one you used when you struck the water of the Nile, and call some of the elders of Israel to join you. I will stand behind you on the rock at Mount Sinai. I want you to take that stick and strike that rock, and water will come gushing out. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told, and water gushed out as the elders looked on. Wow. That's uh, just imagine that Bible scholars think that there are between one and five million people that left Egypt whenever uh, God led uh, Moses to lead them out. So imagine five million people wandering around in the desert, no place to call home. They're, they're, they're hungry. They're thirsty. They're saying, we need some water, man. You brought us out here into this dry wasteland. You should have just left us in Egypt. At least there we had something to drink. So Moses goes and talks to God, and God said, hey, man, pick up your stick, go up there, get everybody to look on, and beat that rock. (laughs) And I'll cause water to come out of it. So Moses did. That's crazy. Listen, sometimes the Holy Spirit may give you uh, uh, a plan of action that sounds ridiculous. Water doesn't come out of rocks. And you can beat a rock with a stick, but the stick will break, not the rock. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will give us something to do, and you're just like, really, God, really? Really? But listen, if you just step out in obedience and do it, he will provide the miracle. And I love this because Numbers chapter 20 tells us a very similar story. Bob scholars believe this is between 14 and 20 years later. They were wandering around for 40 years. So 14 to 20 years later from Exodus 17, the same thing, they're thirsty. They don't have anything to drink. They go to Moses. We, we don't have anything. You should have left us in Egypt 20 years ago. At least then we'd have water. So Moses goes to God, and God speaks to him. He says, you and Aaron must take the staff, again, and assemble the whole entire community, again, as the people watch, speak to the rock over there, and it will pour out its water. He said, speak to the rock, and it will pour out its water. You will provide enough water for the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. That's a bunch of water, y'all. So Moses did as he was told. He took the staff from the place where it was kept before the Lord. Then he and Aaron summoned the people to come and gather at the rock. And this is where his flesh got hold of him. Moses starts to say, listen, you rebels. Must we bring you water from this rock? I can just imagine, you know, in his head, he's thinking, all right, this worked before. I know that God is faithful. He's going to do it again. And so he gets up there kind of all arrogant and proud. Listen to me, you rebels. What's wrong with y'all? Do, must I bring you water from this rock? Is that what you want? I can just see it. Then Moses raised his hand, and he struck the rock twice with his staff, and water gushed out. Wow, what an amazing miracle. The entire community and their livestock drank their field, but the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I am giving them. And I think that this is a great illustration of what God is trying to say. The first time he told them strike the rock. The second time he told them what? Speak to the rock. Listen, if you need a miracle in your life, don't just go back to the same things you've been going back to, trying to repeat the same process that you did before to get a move of God. Follow along the steps of the Holy Spirit because he may tell you to hit the rock then, but he may tell you to speak to the rock now. And if you will act out in obedience, the the miracle is gonna come forth because he's the provider. But I wanna encourage you, I I wanna kinda give a a warning if I can, if I can just be pastoral for just a second. I wanna give a little bit of a warning. If you try to duplicate, there's gonna be consequences. There's going to be things in your life that you're like, man, I, whenever God told me to do this, I didn't think that this was going to happen. Well, maybe it's because we weren't following along as closely as we should have been. Here's my last point, point number three. Surround yourself with godly people. When it comes to following the Holy Spirit, make sure you're surrounded with godly people. Right before this uh, scripture in um, Acts chapter 16, if you go back to Acts chapter 15, the Bible tells us that that Paul and Barnabas were together, and there was a disagreement over about uh, who they should take with them uh, in the place that they were going, and the disagreement was so strong. Listen, church, (laughs) it kind of sounds like church a lot of times, let's be honest. The disagreement was so strong, they said, I'm going this way, I'm going that way, and they split up. I don't know if you've ever seen that in the church, but it happens pretty often. There's a disagreement there, and because of the disagreement, there's a division, and I don't know exactly what, I love how Pastor Billy presented this one time. It changed my, my mind thinking of this. Uh, and he said that, you know, Paul and Barnabas, they were together working in the ministry of the Lord, and then they had a disagreement, they split up. But, looking at it this way, the Holy Spirit went this way with Barnabas, and he went this way with Paul. And because of that, God was, was ministering in two different places. But I also can't help but believe that whenever there's a disagreement and a splitting, there's always a part of your heart that, that maybe holds a little bit of bitterness, that holds a little bit of anxiety, that holds a little bit of what if I had a, what if they would have, and because of that, you can be holding yourself back from what God wants to do in his fullest uh, intent and his fullest power. But I love this because God always has a plan. He's always got a plan. And whenever it comes to being led by the Holy Spirit, you need to have the right people around you that are going to speak the right things into you. Because sometimes it's hard to follow the Holy Spirit. How many of you have been saved for more than five years? You've been saved, you've been a Christian more than five years, you've been following the Holy Spirit. Can you raise your hand if you've been saved more than five years? Awesome. Do you feel like that there's been times in your life, in your walk with Christ, where you're just like, I don't know if that's God or not. <laughs> what do I do here? <laughs> you know, I feel like Paul was so sure about it, but God, I don't feel so sure, right? I love this. That's when it's important to have yourself surrounded with godly people. I want you to notice what happens in, we're going to go back to Acts chapter 16. And I want you to notice what happens. Uh, Brother, if you could pick up. uh, Let's pick up in verse 7. I want y'all to help me out with this. Can y'all help me preach this for just a moment? Okay, I'm going to ask you to help me emphasize some words. Then coming to the borders of Mosiah, they, I want you to say they, say it like you mean it, they, headed north for the province of Bithynia. Say Bithynia, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but again, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they, come on, they, there you go, went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him. Come over to Macedonia and help us. I want you to notice what changes right after that verse. You ready? Verse 10. So we, so we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Do y'all see what just happened? anybody gather that? I feel like sometimes we speed read through the Bible and, and we miss a lot of what God could be trying to say. Whereas if we just slow, slow down and take it just bite by bye, sometimes he can reveal to us. I want you to notice something. Uh, you, you might not know this, but Luke wrote the book of Acts. He wrote it as a, an account, as a record. Uh, he wrote it in a letter form as a record to his friend Theophilus. Apparently he was ministering to a guy named Theophilus and he wanted to let him know what all had been happening. So Luke wrote the book of Acts, and he's writing about Paul and Silas, and he's saying they wanted to go, but the Holy Spirit wouldn't allow them to go. So they wind up in Troas, and Paul had a dream, so we decided to go at once. It changes from third person, they, 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 to we, 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 us. I want you to catch this. Would you be able to put the map back up there for me, please, brother? They traveled from Derby to Lystra. They wanted to go down towards Ephesus. The Holy Spirit wouldn't allow them. They wanted to go up towards Bithynia. The Holy Spirit wouldn't allow them. So they traveled west and found themselves in Troas. And I want you to notice, once Paul was in Troas, he, he still didn't know what he was supposed to do there. But once he got there, somebody came in the picture. Because a lot of, listen, Paul wanted to win cities for Christ, but God had a much bigger plan. And even though all of the doors seem closed everywhere Paul is going, the Holy Spirit still leading him the whole time. And he's leading him to a little bitty place called Troas. And there he meets a man named Luke. This is the same writer that brought us the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. Can I, can I just submit this idea to you today? If Paul hadn't have been led by the Holy Spirit, if he, if he decided to go to Bithynia and preach there anyway, then we, he might not have met Luke. If he might not have met Luke, then we might not have in our Bibles today the book of Luke and the book of Acts. Because if you read Paul's writings and Luke's writings, they're, a, they're very much similar in a lot of ways. How they describe things, the events that they describe that Jesus did, the things he described that he did, they were very, they're very close-knit. And if, if you have that time to study, I want to encourage you to read Luke and Acts and, and all of Paul's writings there. They're, it's very similar in the way that they write together, which leads me to believe that Paul had a big influence on Luke. And because of Paul's influence on Luke, and Luke's help to Paul, we have the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts today to help us, lead us, and guide us, and to know how to follow the Holy Spirit. One man chose to follow the Holy Spirit, and because of that, we have the tools we need to learn how to follow the Holy Spirit too. Paul wanted to win cities to Christ, but I want you to notice what happened. They ended up skipping continents. They went from Troas to Philippi which is an entirely different continent than they were on. And the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, for the first time, reached to an entirely different group of people. And whenever they got there, the word was well received. And so now these people in an entire continent now are receiving the word of God. And we see whenever he goes down, he ends up going down to Colossae, where we get the book of Colossians, from, and he travels all around there. And then he ends up going back to Ephesus, where he originally wanted to go in the first place, because God had equipped him to do what he wanted him to do. Y'all, that's good. Look at your neighbor and say, that's good. That's good. It's important to have the right people around you, because I want you to notice this. Whenever Paul was in Troas, and he's having this dream, what did Luke say? He said, so we decided, we came to the conclusion that God was leading us to Macedonia, we. Because sometimes you can get a word from the Holy Spirit and you're like, I'm just really not sure. It's good to have brothers and sisters around you that you can share with Jesus and say, hey, I had this dream. Hey, I feel like God is speaking this to me. And sometimes they'll be like, oh, man, that, that's God. Let's go after that. Sometimes they'll be like, <laughs> no, he did not say that. That was the other guy. That was not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. You laugh because it's true. <laughs> so I want to encourage you today. Don't be content with just winning cities. Follow the Holy Spirit and let him give you continence. Amen. Amen. So I think the question is, how do I follow the Holy Spirit? How do I? You talk about following the Holy Spirit, Pastor Samuel. How do I do it? I want to give you just a couple of, of really good practical things. Number one, we, f- we follow the Holy Spirit by understanding that the Holy Spirit is good. There's this big misconception in the the global church that the Holy Spirit is kind of like the weird uncle of the family. You know, you got you got God the Father. We love Him. He's powerful. You got God the Son, that's Jesus. Oh man, He died for my sins. I mean, come on, bless God. You got the Holy Spirit. Eh, I don't know. He's just kind of. I don't know about that. You know. <laughs> Okay, let me ask you this. Show your hands just to prove to everybody. Is there a weird uncle in your family? Or do you know a family that has a weird uncle? You're just you're just like, okay, every family has a weird uncle. If you're a guy and you're not raising your hand, then that's probably you. Right? Because there is a weird uncle in every family. And I think that's what we think of the Holy Spirit a lot of times. Like, he's just this weird uncle. Like, I don't really get him. I don't, it's kind of mystical. And listen, that's not him at all. He is not the weird uncle. He is good. In fact, Jesus tells us in John chapter 16, it's his words. This is what Jesus says. Uh, He says, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away. He's talking to his disciples. It's best for you that I, listen to me. Jesus said, these are his words. He's talking to his disciples. He said, it will be better for you if I go away. I don't know about y'all, but if he told me that, I'd be like, oh, that is not true. That is not no Jesus. You don't need to go anywhere. I need you right here. He's like, it's better if I go away because if I don't, the advocate, notice that's a capital A, the advocate, the Holy Spirit won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Someone tell me the Holy Spirit is good. If Jesus thought it was better for, him to, for our sakes, that it was better for him to go away so that he could give us the Holy Spirit, I don't know about you, but I want him. I want him. I want the Holy Spirit in my heart. I want him in my life. And then in verse 13, I love this. Jesus, this is just a couple of verses down what we just read. Jesus is telling disciples, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you. Someone say guide. We need to be led by the spirit. He will guide you into all truth. Not some, not here and there, all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future y'all that's really cool <laughs> can we just take a second to appreciate that word right there because that's one of our biggest fears as people what, what's going to happen what happens if I do this what happens if I step out right here listen the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to you what his plan is but he won't be able to if he's going this way and you're going to Bithynia you got to be following right along beside him So how do you follow the Holy Spirit? By understanding that he's good. He's good. Here's the second thing. You you follow the Holy Spirit by faith. Listen, you receive Jesus in your heart as a Christian by faith? Will you follow the Holy Spirit by faith too. Here's the third thing. You follow the Holy Spirit by reading scripture. If you've ever had that question, if you've ever had that thought, Jesus is the the weird uncle of the family in the Trinity, (laughs) then I want you to read these scriptures. Just jot these down. Galatians 5. Romans 8, John 14, John 16, 1 Corinthians 12, and 1 Corinthians 14. Those are some of the most clear scriptures that have to do with the Holy Spirit. So it's Galatians 5, Romans 8, John 14, John 16, 1 Corinthians 12, and 1 Corinthians 14. Just read those if you've ever had those thoughts I don't know. I don't know who the Holy Spirit is. I don't know what he wants to do. Those would be great places to start. And then here's the last way. How do I follow the Holy Spirit? You ask him to lead you. You submit yourself and say, Holy Spirit, just lead me. I want to follow you. Sure, maybe this doesn't look as good as what that could be over there in my mind, but I'm going to follow you anyway. Maybe this is kind of unknown area for me, but I'm going to follow you anyway. Maybe I had success over there, but I'm going to follow you here anyway. Can we do that, church? Come on. It's, I know it's easier said than done, but we can do it because he's our comforter. He's our advocate. He's our guide. Amen. Amen. Jesus, we thank you. God, we thank you for your word. We thank, your, we thank you for your promises. And Lord, I'm reminded of the scripture whenever you were teaching and you said that even we as earthly fathers, as sinful people, know how to give good gifts to our children. And then you said, but the Father, even more than that, gives better gifts to his children. He gives the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray, God, that you would move in every heart, every person in this place, that you begin to speak to us all. God, we're believing for baptisms in the Holy Spirit, that people would submit their hearts to you, their lives to you, and they would choose to follow you wherever you lead, because you're so good. You're so passionate about us, and you love us so much. And, Lord, I pray that this week we would see evidence of you all around us whenever we begin to step out and follow you. In Jesus' name, someone say amen. Amen, amen. I want to remind you, church, that uh, starting tomorrow is going to be the the beginning of our 21 days of prayer. Uh, We'll have a regular service tonight, but then the Sunday nights following that for the next three Sundays uh, will be corporate prayer right here in this place. Begin to prepare your heart right now because God's going to do a mighty thing in this place. Amen. Amen. I love you, church. Have a wonderful day. Love somebody. Bless somebody for you.